When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the May 17th episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. It is PGA Championship week. The second round of the NHL playoffs is also set to begin, so we're going to be talking about both of those, going to break down the entire PGA Championship, going to break down... um, the entire second round of the NHL playoffs, my picks for every series, a little recap of the first round. But of course, I first need to talk about how I have fallen into a deep and dark depression that I may never come out of. The Toronto Maple Leafs have once again caused unbelievable heartbreak for me. This is what, the fifth year they have lost in a winner-take-all game? The first team ever, not just in the NHL, but in professional sports, the first team to lose five straight winner-take-all games in the first round of the playoffs. Unbelievable. Leave that to the Toronto Maple Leafs to achieve that feat, to set that record. I knew it was going to happen. I called that series exactly. I said lightning in seven. The team has demons we can't get over. And it's, it's, it's heartbreaking year after year. I... I'm a Toronto Maple Leafs fan before anything else. I I knew to root for the Maple Leafs before I could speak, before I could say a word. I came out of the womb a Maple Leafs fan, and now year after year, this is the punishment that I get for it. They haven't won a playoff series since 2004. Literally, if a baby was born, the last time the Toronto Maple Leafs won a playoff series, that baby would now be 18 years old. It would be an adult. I was... 11 years old to 12 years old last time that the Leafs won a playoff series I have gone to high school university graduated worked for a bank for a few years got in the sports media business got in the sports betting business worked for Odd Shark moved to New York City and now here I am 29 years old turning 30 in a few months And I still haven't seen the Leafs win a playoff series since 2004, since I was 11 or 12. 2013, Game 7, 4-1 lead in the third period. 10 minutes left. Blow the lead, lose in overtime to the Bruins. 2013, Game 6, Capitals lose. 2018, Game 7, Bruins lose. 2019, Game 7, Bruins lose. 2020, Game 5, best of 5, Blue Jackets lose. 2021, 3-1 series lead against Canadians, lose three straight games, eliminated. 2022, 3-2 series lead against the Lightning, overtime, lose, game seven, home, lose. How is that possible? 
and I know this is going to sound biased, but I mean, the, the refs were terrible. Maple Leafs by far the most penalized team in the playoffs. And you know they did a bad job because not a single referee from that series advanced to the second round of the playoffs. So the even the NHL evaluated them as doing a bad job. They just can't get it done. Okay, I, and I said it during the live stream in Game 6 during overtime. They had to win now because there's no chance they're winning Game 7. And they had plenty of chances in Game 6 overtime. They just could not find the back of the net. <sighs> the pain, I feel. Truly, it hurts. I don't know what else to say. It's a year after year. They bring, they get my hopes up. They're one of the best regular season teams in the NHL. If the playoffs were, were, were the old playoff format, just 1v8, 2v7, 3v6, 4v5, the Leafs would have played against the Bruins, and we would have handled the Bruins this year. There's no chance we would have lost the Bruins. But instead, because of the new stupid format, we had to play the Lightning, the back-to-back defending Stanley Cup champions. It's like it, it, the two mornings since, like I just wake up and it's just a, a pain I feel in my soul. It's going to last for the rest of the NHL playoffs. It's going to make the rest of the playoffs tough to watch. To be honest. I just just one series. Just once. You don't even got to win the cup. Make it to the second round, boys. I just want to see some more Leafs hockey. Oh, it truly. For something that really doesn't affect my life at all. And for a team that I don't actually have any actual connection to. Felt like I'm employed by the Maple Leafs. God damn, does it make me depressed? It hurts my soul. It's a, it's a, it's a deep, guttural feeling. Ugh. <laughs> go Flames, go. Flames are my team now. I got, I got, I got them a ten to one to win the West. So, god damn. I don't really have anything else to say about it. We had the team this year. Last year's we didn't have a goalie. We didn't have defense. We had the team. We matched up with anyone in the NHL this year. Couldn't do it. Couldn't pull it off. Unbelievable. Anyways, <laughs> I don't have anything else to say. I don't really think there's anything to be said. I guess a good consolation prize is uh, Sheldon Keefe said that he felt they got more respect in the handshake line after the game. So, that's something. Right? (laughs) Oh my god. (sighs) You know what what, bugs me now that I can't stand? As alarms are going off outside my window. And I saw this during the series where, like, Lightning fans, like, oh, I'm so nervous for Game 7. Oh, my heart's in my throat. It's like, fuck off. If I ever saw, I think, I feel like if I ever saw my team win championship, let alone back-to-back championships, let alone three championships a lot since the last time the Leafs won a playoff series, like, I feel like I wouldn't even get nervous watching them in playoffs anymore. You had the win. You, t- you tasted victory twice, three times. To rub it in their face by saying you're nervous in Game 7. Oh, go fuck yourselves. You knew you were going to win. Oh, game seven. Oh, no. No other fan for any other NHL team is allowed to be nervous or be upset about losing. Only Leafs fans. All right, we got PGA Championship. Uh, but I'm going to start with the NHL playoffs. We'll start with the NHL playoffs. I'll give my pick for each second round series. Uh, I hit 6 out of 8 in the first round. 
Uh, the only ones I did not get correct uh, were the Wild. I had them beating the Blues. The Blues won. And I had the Kings winning in seven against the Oilers. So at least I had that one going seven. Um, the only series I, I predicted uh, team and game team and uh, number of games correctly was Lightning. I said Lightning in seven. I mean, that was the most predictable thing of all time. Uh, I will say, I'm, I, I'm even though it feels like blood money, I did hedge... I did the biggest emo hedge of my life on Lightning in Game 7. And I even while well, I put out the video, if you guys saw that, I hope you tailed. I mean, Lightning were the most obvious pick of all time in Game 7. Like, easy. <laughs> I bet a lot of money on that, and I'm glad I did. Um, yeah, so I'm going to give my picks for each series uh, in the second round of the NHL playoffs. Uh, and then I'm going to dive into, uh, deep dive into the PGA Championship. My picks, some pool picks. Uh breakdown of the course, all that good stuff. So let's dive into it. I come to you with a broken heart for the May 17th episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. Let's go. No, Lisa. The only monster here is the gambling monster that has enslaved your mother. I call him Gamblor, and it's time to snatch your mother from his neon claws. More bacon than the pan can handle. 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 Utility man. Alright, let's talk a little NHL playoff second round. We're gonna go chronological based on when game one is, so that means that we are gonna start with the Tampa Bay Lightning against the Florida Panthers. The Battle of Florida. Who gives a fuck about hockey in Florida? That should be the goddamn fucking Leafs. I'm going to take... <laughs> as much as I just ranted about the Leafs for uh, like eight minutes, it's, it pains me just as much now to now have to talk about the Lightning being in the next round. Uh, but I am going to take actually Lightning in this series plus 130. I think they're a great value as an underdog in this series. I had questions about the Panthers in the playoffs uh, before the playoffs started. I think they're wide open style of play doesn't lend well for postseason hockey. Uh, and the Capitals kind of proved that. I mean, the, the, the Panthers did win in six games, but the Capitals kind of really gave them a run for their money. Uh, did the Capitals have two overtime, or, or uh, Panthers have two overtime wins, I think? Um, and the Capitals aren't necessarily known as a defensive team. Like, that's not really their strength, but yet, for the most part, they kind of shut down the Panthers' offense. And the Capitals, you know, generated their own offense. That's kind of the issue with with the Panthers' wide-open style is if other teams play it right, it kind of just turns into, like, who can... It just turns into a shootout. Uh, the Capitals got 3.28 uh, expected goals per 60 minutes against the Panthers in the opening round. Those kind of numbers aren't going to fly against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is much better defensively. You saw that... Uh, in the in the in this in their series against the Maple Leafs, even though the Maple Leafs uh, technically outscored them in the series, uh, they weren't getting a lot of high quality shots off. The t- the Lightning are just so good defensively. I think that is actually a weakness for the Leafs. Not to keep bringing it back to Toronto, but Toronto's defense is better. But I don't think like their their offensive players aren't good in their own end. Generally, the Lightning's. Defense is, is still obviously very good, but their offense, like their forwards, are much better in their own end. You could see that they are just sticking to formation quite a bit better. They are collapsing in. They weren't allowing the Leafs to kind of really get any chances in the slot for the most part. Most of the shots came from the outside. 
if they kind of play just as good defensively against this Panthers team, they're going to be able to shut them down a little bit and then go toe-to-toe, go to toe-to-toe with them offensively. So I'm sticking to my theory that the Panthers' style of play doesn't really fit well for the playoffs. They were probably hoping to face the Leafs. Uh, they would have done much better against the Leafs. Meet Leafs would have been a much better stylistic matchup for them than the Lightning. Uh, I'll take Lightning plus 130 in that series. Uh, if I were to go exact game, I think they beat them in six. I mean, six is always kind of the standard answer, but I'll take Lightning in six. Plus 130. Avalanche and Blues. Uh, I I, kind of went on record thinking the Wild were going to beat the Blues in the first round, and then the Wild were going to beat the Avalanche. Obviously, it's the Blues now, and as much as I shit on the Blues for the majority of the year, and I think a lot of their downfalls got covered by how good of a shooting team they are, I'm still going to take the Blues almost just based on the odds. Plus 325. They do not... Uh, the Avalanche are not good enough to be to warrant being minus 425 series favorites over the Blues. That is a crazy price for this series. Uh, and the Avalanche defensively actually weren't that great this season. 21st in the regular season in opponent high-danger scoring chances. If they give the Blues that many high-danger scoring chances, the Blues are such a good shooting team, they're going to be able to take advantage. Um Obviously, the Avalanche swept the Predators, and I think that's now making them look overvalued. But let's not forget, not only were the Predators the worst playoff team, they're the worst playoff team who also had to deal with their goalie, uh, UC Saros, who was the only reason why they even made the postseason to begin with. They had to deal with him being injured. So it would, even with UC Saros, the Predators were the worst playoff team, and then without him, they were just like, they are basically an AHL team. So... Um, I don't put that much value behind the Avalanche beating them in four games. I think they should have. Uh, and even one game went to overtime, and that's even just that's concerning. Uh, I'll take the Blues plus 325. Even I mean, the Avalanche should be favored. I won't, I won't say the Blues should be favored, but this is a, just a, an unbelievably crazy price. Um, I'll take Blues plus 325. I think it goes seven games. I think it goes full seven. Blues get the job done. I just don't trust the Avalanche defensively. The Blues are a fantastic shooting team. They played pretty good defensively against the Wild. Uh, if they can keep it up, they're, they're going to give Avalanche uh, a run for their money. Uh, then we got the Rangers against the Hurricanes. You want to talk about the, most, the least deserving team to win the playoff series in the first round? The New York Rangers. The, the Penguins statistically dominated the Rangers. Now, of course, that's why sports aren't played with a calculator on an Excel sheet. Uh, the Rangers got the job done largely because of Igor Shesterkin. If you even look at expected goals, and I was, actually saw a lot of Rangers fans um, shitting on Shesterkin and being pissed and saying that he wasn't playing um, up to the level he played in the regular season. If you think that, then the only thing that you're looking at is how many goals he allowed. Because you even look at um, expected goals against uh, in the playoffs here. Expected goals against, the Rangers were dead last, even worse than the Predators. Expected goals against for the Rangers in the first round, 4.28. Their actual goals against was 3.7. So yeah, Shesterkin allowed more goals than he did in the regular season, but... um, the Rangers' defense hung them out to dry continuously. The Penguins had the most high-danger scoring chances um, per 60 minutes of the entire first round. 18.48 high-danger scoring chances per 60 minutes. To put that in perspective, the Panthers led in that stat in the regular season, and they averaged around 14.5. So, four more high-danger scoring chances per game than the best team in the regular season. 
Rangers defense was unbelievably bad. If they play that bad again against the Hurricanes, the Hurricanes will win this series in four or five games. The Penguins were an experienced team. Um, they were a gritty team, but they they weren't talented. They didn't have the they don't have the depth of the Hurricanes. Uh, so Hurricanes are minus two twenty favorites. Uh, gonna ride with them. I, I I think they win this series pretty handedly, unless the Rangers make changes on defense or they game plan better against the Hurricanes than they did against the Penguins. Because once again, the Penguins truly dominated the Penguins except for the final score. And then of course Sidney Crosby getting hurt. Uh, did not help their chances whatsoever. If he doesn't get hurt, probably a different series. Uh, even Corsi percentage. Penguins had 52.34% Corsi percentage. I mean, the Rangers just lost up and down the ice, but the goaltending edge was um, completely one-sided. Uh, so I think the Hurricanes win the series. I think they win it in five, I'll say. Um Yeah, and the Rangers will be gone. I'll be I, I'll be I'll be pissed if the Rangers man is a Fucking between the Rangers and the Yankees, the city is unbearable to live in right now. Uh, uh, and then we'll finish up the the Battle of Alberta, of course. Edmonton Oilers against the Calgary Flames. Um, going to ride with the Flames, of course, in this one. So I'm taking two underdogs. I took the underdogs with the Lightning plus 130, the Blues plus 325. The other two series, I'm taking the favorites. Hurricanes minus 220 and Flames minus 195. Uh, Flames also dominated the Stars. That also would have been a travesty uh, if the Stars advance to the second round. The only reason why the Stars are in it were much like the Rangers. Gold goaltenders can make all the difference in the world in the playoffs, and Jake Odinger was even better than Igor Shesterkin. He had a save percentage, best save percentage of the first round, 94.77%. In Game 7, I think the Flames outshot them. It was like 59-28 to 28 or something, and they had to go to overtime to eventually win. And to be honest, the winning goal was actually kind of a weak one, ironically. Uh, but I've been, I've been high on the Flames. Anyone who's followed me through, throughout the entire second half of the season, I bet on them, like I said, a 10-1 to 1 to win the West right before they traded for Tyler Toffoli because uh, I thought all they needed was one more good winger and they're going to be a serious contender. They got him and then they, you know, they went on to kind of dominate the second half of the season and win the Pacific Div- Division. Uh, the Flames ranked second in the first round of the playoffs in Corsi percentage at 60.14%. Uh, the only team that had a better Corsi percentage in the first round was the Avalanche at 61.21%. Um, but also, like, like I said already, they had, they had a pretty weak first round matchup. Um, they only allowed 9.51 high danger scoring chances. They created 14.75 of their own. So I just think overall they're a better team than the Oilers. The Oilers have issues. Um, I saw that in the Kings. I thought they were overvalued in the Kings series. I uh, was kind of proven to be right in that one, even though the, they did eventually beat, beat the Kings in, in seven games. But the Oilers have issues defensively. Um, the Flames are going to have a huge defensive advantage in this game. Oilers probably do have a slight offensive advantage, or at least that one line does, for sure. Um, but defense is going to be the difference maker in this game, So uh, in this series. So I'll back Flames minus 195. Uh, I think it goes seven games, though. Battle of Alberta. Uh, it's going to be hotly contested. I'll go Flames in 7, uh, minus 195. So there you go. That's my breakdown for the next for the next uh, series. If you're thinking about uh, a good Stanley Cup bet, I think it's still the Flames. Uh, I looked at win bet. I th- think they were the third team on the odds list still. Yeah, Avalanche, 2-1, to one, Panthers, plus 350, Flames, plus 550. Either go Flames or, or, or Hurricanes. I mean, I, I've, I mean, I'm picking against the two number one seeds this series. I've kind of made my claims about them. I think they both have... Issues that the that the common 
hockey fan that just kind of watches the games aren't seeing. The stats kind of show an underlying issue with both those teams. So if you're going to bet on winners of the Stanley Cup, Flames, Hurricanes, you could even go Lightning at 7-1. to one. I'd stay away from the other three teams, though. Oilers have issues. Rangers obviously have a ton of issues. And uh, I mean, I'd rather bet on the Blues at 16-1 to one over, the, over the Rangers, to be honest. Um, but if I were to recommend one team right now, it would probably be the Flames. Um, all right, there you go. Let's, uh, that's hockey. Let's take a quick uh, break here, and then we'll come right back to dive into the 2022 PGA Championship. All right, let's dive into the PGA Championship. Unfortunately, the defending champion, <laughs> Phil Mickelson, not going to be making an appearance. Uh, surprise, surprise. If you haven't, uh, if you're living on a rock and you don't know what's going on there, he was going to switch to the Saudi Golf League, which is a new league that's launching. Tried to. Uh, there was a bunch of controversy about what he said and how he what he said about the PGA Tour. He's likely suspended, but the PGA Tour doesn't uh, um, reveal when they suspend people. It's all like private. Uh, but this isn't the PGA Tour's decision, anyways. This is the PGA of America. It's a kind of different entity. Um, but then I, I think I read on a Reddit thread that he's not going to play because uh, he was gonna he was you know planning on playing up until this week. Uh, at least he was like in the field. Uh, but I read in a Reddit thread, I think it was, that he's apparently like playing like shit uh, at his home courses in San Diego, like shooting high 70s, low 80s. So that paired with the fact that the media is going to be all over him and he's probably going to get chirped by you know patrons there, I guess he just decided to, to withdraw. So no point putting up with all that if you're going to go out and shoot a, you know, a 79 on Thursday. So no Phil Mickelson. Tiger Woods is back. Uh, seeing his odds anywhere from 60 to 1 at most of the big books, uh, win bet I saw him down at 90 to 1. Uh, the offshore book that I use, he is at uh, 66 to 1. So I still wouldn't recommend betting on Tiger Woods. My quick thing about Tiger Woods, and then I'll move on from him and won't mention him again, I actually think he's going to miss the cut here. Uh, no, that's pessimistic. I would love to be wrong about that. I would, I know, I'd, I'd be, I'd be willing to lose every single bet I placed if Tiger Woods can be in contention on Sunday. But I think people think he that he's going to perform better than he did at the Masters. I think he's going to perform worse. I think his ex- his experience at Augusta National proves so valuable that it made him play better than what he's actually physically able to play at right now. And now he's playing at Southern Hills, which to be fair, he won at last time the PGA Championship was hosted at Southern Hills. But it's not like Augusta where he knows that course like the back of his hand. So. Um, I don't think Tiger Woods is going to do well. He doesn't have the experience to kind of rely on. Um, he doesn't have that big of an advantage. He's still obviously... I mean, just in general, golfers can't just go from competing to then, you know, go from not competing at all, not playing in any tournaments, to then being in contention at a major championship. Like, you need warm-up events, generally. you got to play at least a few times a year to get used to competitive golf. So, uh, also a bigger field at the PGA Championship, uh, higher likelihood of missing the cut. I think he misses the cut this week, which I think you can bet on at a plus money, too. So, um, Tiger Woods, my opinion, he's going to miss the cut. I would love to be dead wrong about it. Uh, like I mentioned, this year's PGA Championship... Being hosted at Southern Hills, which is located in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Last time I was here was the 2007 
um, PGA Championship. Tiger Woods won it. Also hosted, I think it was the 2009 U.S. Amateur. Bien On won it, the Korean golfer, uh, who is now down on the Corn Ferry Tour. So obviously he's not going to be in the field this week, but there are a few guys in the field who did compete that week. Look it up. Maybe those guys have a very slight advantage. I wouldn't put too much stock into it into it just considering how long ago uh, it was. Uh, the odds I'm looking at, John Rom is the... Actually, WinBet has John Rom as the favorite. My offshore book has Scotty Scheffler as a favorite. They're kind of the one and two, no matter where you look. I'll go with the offshore book. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, 11 to 1. John Rom, 12 to 1. Jordan Spieth, 16 to 1. Justin Thomas, 16 to 1. Rory, 16 to 1. Morikawa, 20 to 1. I mean, you guys can look up the odds. I'm not going to go through uh, and list them all, but I am going to go through and give you my thoughts on basically most of the top guys here. Um, as In terms of how to handicap Southern Hills, very tough. It's not like Augusta. Um, or some U.S. Open tracks or some, you know, Open Championship tracks. The PGA Championship moves around so much. It's like once every 10 years, it'll the course will be held at. And the last time it was held here, there's no shot link data, which is really the, uh, the way that we get this in-depth data to really figure out what kind of styles fit a course well. So it's a little bit more of assumptions, especially considering that it's going to play around 400 yards longer than it played in 2009. And there's been some renovations to it as well since then. Um, now, I talked to Cody Williams uh, on today's episode of uh, Green on the Greens about his opinions on it. Definitely one thing that we both agree on, uh, and actually, I try. I read a Rory McIlroy quote this morning. I tried to find it this evening, and I could not find it. Um, but basically, it, there's one thing that everybody can agree on, is that strokes gained around the green is going to be extremely important this week. Uh, that, I think, is going to be the number one indicator of success. So I'm staying far away from guys who aren't good chippers. Greens are smaller than the, than the average PJ Tour green, and there's a lot of runoff areas. Even if guys hit greens, the ball is going to run off quite a bit. Uh, and the areas around the greens are very tight lies. It's going to be difficult to get up and down for a lot of these guys if they're not good chippers. So I think the number one most important thing before you bet on a golfer, go look at two things. One, strokes gained around the green. Actually, three things, really. Two, scrambling percentage. And three, sand save percentage. A lot of bunkers as well. So, uh, guys are going to miss greens. They are very tough greens to not only hit, but stick it close. There's just going to be times where guys are going to have to get up and down from beside the green to save power. So, if someone's bad at chipping, stay away from them. Uh, that would be my number one piece of advice that even Roy McIlroy backed up in, in his interview today. Uh, the other ones are a little bit more subjective in my opinion, but I would definitely, definitely, definitely say you want guys who are good around the greens. Uh, I think accuracy is a little bit more impo- uh, important as well. Uh, the rough is Bermuda rough, which you don't normally see a lot of on the PGA Tour. Bermuda rough is very sticky, very thick. Um, and if guys are hitting it in the Bermuda rough, all, all around, especially given how tough the greens are to hit, it's going to make it even harder to hit them coming over that sticky, thick, deep Bermuda rough. Bermuda is a type of grass, if you didn't know, um, which I'm used to playing. All Nova Scotia courses are all Bermuda rough, and that rough is sticky as shit. Uh, so now I will say I recognize I think I actually overvalue driving accuracy more than I probably should. Uh, that's kind of a personal bias of mine. Um, so take that for what it's worth. Cody, I know, is not valuing driving accuracy too much this week, um, but I certainly am. And then, of course, approach play. That's that's. I don't think you're ever going to find a golf event that 
approach play isn't important. You have to, I mean, to score birdies, you have to stick it close to the pin. Unless unless you're having an all-time historic putting round, uh, you have to stick it close. So, approach play, drive me accuracy, but the number one most important thing to look at this week, I believe, is uh, strokes gained around the green. Um, so that's why I'll tell you right off the top, guys, I'm staying away from uh, Victor Hovland. Uh, I hate to type in your guys' ears here, um, but I didn't write down the stats of every single golfer, so I kind of have to look it up as I go. I know generally how they rank, um, but like Victor Hovland, 210th in strokes gained around the green. Out of how many? 210? Is he dead last? Victor Hovland is dead last on the PGA Tour in strokes gained around the green. Averages minus 8 Minus .838 per round. The next worst is Hudson Swafford with minus .699. So more than a tenth worse per round strokes gain around the greens than the next worst golfer. That's terrible. Wow. I didn't know he was dead last. So there's... there's uh, Victor Hovland will not win this week. He will not be in contention. I, will, I guarantee you that. Uh, if Victor Hovland wins this week... I will send everyone who DMs me $5. Not really, because I don't... Because then 2,000 people are going to DM me, and I don't have that much money, so... <laughs> but, I mean, come on. If, if this is an event, if this is a major championship where everyone, even Roy McIlroy, is saying getting up and down is, is key, you can't bet on the guy who's dead last on tour in that. You just can't. What's his scrambling percentages? Uh, sand save percentage 202nd scrambling 68th stay away from Victor Hovland this week my friends stay far away from Victor Hovland um, so let's go through my picks I did get, break them down to green on the greens but just in case you didn't watch them and I can kind of elaborate on them a little bit more let's dive into them uh, my pick to miss the cut Tony Finau uh, another guy who not good around the greens not good putting either he checks off the three negative boxes this week uh, right before I went live, I actually saw someone say they like Tony Finau at his current price. Hey, you can't just bet on guys solely based on their price. If if you think uh, they're mispriced, there generally should be a reason why they are, and Tony Finau is. Uh, 153rd in driving accuracy, 115th in strokes gained around the green, 192nd in strokes gained putting. He's, he's not competing this week. I'm sorry, he's just not. Uh, so he is my pick to miss the cut. I haven't locked that bet in yet because I, I haven't been able to find odds for that yet. Miscut usually gets released on Tuesday. Uh, top 20, I'm going Billy Horschel, plus 260. Good form. He's coming off a second-place finish at the Zurich uh, when he was teammates with Sam Burns. 23rd in strokes gained around the green. There you go. Good chipper. 7th in strokes gained putting. Top 10 putter on tour. Uh, 113th in strokes gained approach, but 27th in greens and regulation. So he might not be sticking it very close, but he's at least finding the greens, and that's going to be the most important thing. If you just get on the green... Uh, you're going to have a leg up on, on the majority of the field. Very accurate driver as well. 22nd driving accuracy. So my top 20 pick is Billy Horschel. Uh, my top 10 pick is Daniel Berger at plus 400. I also have bet on him to win at uh, 55 to 1. Um, I think he's the best value bet on the board. Even at win bet, he's all the way down at 63 to 1. I don't have a win bet account, unfortunately. Um, but he ranks 7th in total strokes gain this season, but yet he's like... 20th on the odds list that like that just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever uh 20th in driving accuracy 
uh, first on the tour in sand save percentage, sixth on the tour in scrambling. This is not a guy I would bet on at an event that turns into a birdie fest, um, but I think the winner at this tournament is going to be like 8-under, 9-under. Uh, I think that that plays pretty well for Daniel Berger's game. So I like him quite a bit. I know he doesn't have a great history at majors. Yes, that is a little bit concerning. But his style of play fits his course too well. Uh, I can't pass up on him uh, uh, at that price, especially, like I said, his stats are very, very good. Seventh in total strokes gained. I mean, come on. Uh, top five, Matt Fitzpatrick. I'm back on the Matt Fitzpatrick train. Uh, Going to bet on him to win at 50-1 to 1 as well. Um, he is an accurate driver for sure. Um, 46th in driving accuracy, and he's also fantastic around the greens. He's 19th in both strokes gained around the green and strokes gained putting. His only weakness is distance off the tee. I don't think driving distance is going to hurt him too much this week. Uh, could be wrong about that, but from my evaluation, that shouldn't hurt him too much at Southern Hills. And also, we might see some wet conditions over the weekend, some some wind, some rain, especially on Sunday. He thrives in those conditions. He did it at the Wells Fargo when he finished T2 a couple weeks ago. Uh, was kind of that rainy, windy. So uh, I think bad weather actually f- helps Matt Fitzpatrick. He's one of the guys who thrives in that. So uh, coming off a T2 finish at the Wells Fargo, so he's in good form. I'm back on the Fitzy train, plus 750 to finish in the top five, 50 to 1 to win. And then, of course, you all know who is coming, my pick to win. It is unfortunately Xander Shoffley. I'm back on the X train. In my video, I said he was, I think, 22 to 1 or something. He's 25 to 1 in my offshore book. That's where I bet him. 25 to 1 to win. I. Literally after he missed the cut of the Masters, I said I'm done betting on Xander Shoffley no matter what. And then he goes out and wins the Zurich Classic and then finishes T5 at the AT&T Byron Nelson this past week, which included the shooting at 61 on Sunday. It's like that scene, what is it, Godfather 3? As soon as the Modi pulls me back in. And his stats, I think, fit the course well. He has no glaring weaknesses. He's not like top 5 in anything, uh, but he's like top 50 in everything. 23rd in strokes gained approach. Actually, is top five in something. He's fourth in ball striking, uh, which is total driving combined with greens and regulations. So that's very promising. Ball striking is always a big uh, stat, especially in majors. 23rd in strokes gained approach. 27th in proximity from the rough. So if he does find the rough, he should do a pretty decent job being able to get it back on the green. 32nd strokes gained around the green. Good short game. His putting has faltered at some times this year. 59th in strokes gained putting. Uh, but that has improved a little bit over the past few weeks. So my pick to win, Xander Shoffley. 25-1. to 1, Not doing top 5 or top 10 for him. So my outright picks are Berger, Fitzpatrick, Shoffley. I'm hedging a couple of those with top 10s and top 5s. Xander just going outright. Billy Horschel top 20. Tony Finau to miss the cut. Now my thoughts on some other guys, some other notable guys uh, on the odds board here. Scotty Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler is a guy I'm not betting on, but I'm going to feel like an idiot on Sunday if slash when he wins, but I just think he's just being a little bit overvalued. I think there's a little bit of a Masters hangover. He finished like T14 or T15 last week, the Byron Nelson, which was in Texas, which is where he should have done well. Uh, But also, I've read reports that uh, this is his favorite course, and he shot like a 64 here recently. So, uh, Scotty Scheffler might just run away with it again. I I, 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 I just hate betting on favorites at major championships. It just seems like the value is inherently not there. Um, I'm not, I'm staying away from John Rahm as well. 
John Rom's short game, even though he won that Mexico event there a couple weeks ago, his short game has not been good. Um, and I'm not going to bet on someone who ranks, where is he at here? 154th on tour and strokes gained around the green this season. Uh, not good. Uh, 130th in scrambling. Wow, that's shocking. He's Yeah, I'm no, I stay away from John Rom. Not worth it to that price. 195th in sand save percentage. One of the worst bunker guys uh, on tour as well. So I would recommend staying far away from John Rom. Jordan Spieth, obviously a popular name, a popular popular guy to bet on. Inherently, he's kind of overvalued, in my opinion, because of that. Um, and his numbers, I know he's played well recently, uh, and his ball striking has been very good. Putting still 175th, though, even though it has gotten better. My biggest uh, issue with him is his driving accuracy, though. 129th in driving accuracy. But, I mean, the event he won a couple weeks ago... Um, with his, uh, what was it, the RBC Heritage that he won, he lost strokes putting. <laughs> One of the only times it's ever happened on the PGA Tour is a guy losing strokes putting and still winning the tournament. So, I mean, he, he can overcome it at some events. I just think majors are too stacked, too tough of a course. I'm staying away from him. Justin Thomas, I almost bet on him. His driving accuracy kept me away, but the rest of his numbers are very promising. So if you want to go Justin Thomas, I wouldn't argue against it. Just the driving accuracy scared me a little bit. I think this is a great course for Rory McIlroy, though. Um, I only I only do three outright picks for major events. He would be either like the fourth or fifth guy, like one of the last guys I, I decided not to bet on. Everything with him fits well. He's coming off his second place finish at the Masters. He's fantastic around the greens. Uh, obviously, his short approach game, his wedge shots in have been rough, and there are going to be some short wedges at this course. Uh, so that's a little bit concerning. But um, and I'm seeing he's a popular pick amongst golf media too. Obviously, his made, he hasn't won a major in at least, I think it's seven years. Um, but hey, 16-1, to 1, I don't hate that. Uh, Colin Morikawa is attempting a bet at 20-1. to 1. Uh, Let me just bring... But I, I believe his is his chipping not good as well, if I can bring that up here. Um, yeah, 192nd strokes gained around the green. So he's just like Hovland. You can't bet on these guys who rank near the bottom. Uh, in strokes gained around the green. You just can't this week. Cameron Smith, his driving accuracy is terrible. That, you know, scared me away from him, but his short game could make up for it. I think Hideki Matsuyama is a fantastic bet. I would say, like, if I list my top five guys uh, to bet on, and I had, you know, the ones I listed, Xander, uh, Fitzpatrick, and Berger is one, two, three, I think it'd be Hideki Matsuyama would have been is four, and McElroy's five. So... Everything, Matt, people shit on Matsuyama, and rightfully so, for his putting, but he's a very good wedge player. He's very good around the greens. That was a big reason why he won the Masters last year was, was uh, his chipping, so I don't mind Hideki Matsuyama whatsoever. Um, I just, I mean, I can't just bet on every single guy that I like. Then, no matter, even if I hit a winner, I'm just going to eat into my profit. Patrick Cantley, actually a very good bet. I like him as well. Very good around the green, 17th in strokes gained around the green. Uh, very accurate driver as well. I like Patrick Cantley. He would probably be sixth on my list. Uh, DJ, not good around the greens. Not an accurate driver. I've already talked about Victor Hovland. Shane Lowry has had some, had some issues around the greens. I think he's a little overvalued at 28-1. to 1. Brooks Kepka's hurt. Stay away from him. Will Zalatoris actually has some value at 33-1, to 1, but once again, his short game is just not great. Uh, especially his putting. He's one of the worst putters on tour. Uh, going to be a little bit tough to win a uh, a major with that, but I mean he did well at the Masters again this year. Um, but let's take a look at some of his stats here. Uh, 
96th in strokes gained around the green. Not great. Uh, 185th in strokes gained putting. But he is the best iron player on the tour this year, first in strokes gained approach. I wouldn't argue too much against his, his Alatoris bet. Joaquin Neiman, I think, is a sneaky play at 40-1. to 1. Uh, He's very good around the greens. I think he ranks in the teens in strokes gained around the greens. Um, Sam Burns, 40-1. to 1. I kind of have a soft spot for Sam Burns. I certainly don't hate that pick. Let me bring up some of his numbers here. 47th in strokes gained around. He's he's one of those guys who are very solid uh, top to bottom. No real uh, glaring issues, but he's not a top 10 guy in anything either. Um, I'll do a couple more here. Obviously, talk about Fitzpatrick. Max Homa, if you would have got him last week before they adjusted the odds this week, even Winbet had him at 100-1. to 1. He's down to 50-1. to 1. I don't think there's much value left on him there anymore. Cameron Young, sneaky play at 66-1. Corey Connors, as tempting as it is, I've sworn off betting on him, 66-1. to 1. His short game is probably not good enough. But yeah, I like Cameron Young. Young is a dark horse, actually, at 66-1. to 1. Uh, And then we're down on some guys who I, I'd really never really bet on any of these guys. Uh, Abraham Answer has sucked this year, and people haven't really realized it yet. Um, uh, if you want a hundred to one bet, Harold Varner is kind of tempting. He's been playing very good recently. Taylor Gooch might be tempting at one hundred to one. Let me bring up Taylor Gooch here because I know he's he's very good around the greens, so that is kind of tempting at one hundred to one. He did miss the cut last week. That's concerning. T14 at the Masters, though, 7th in strokes gained around the green, 21st in approach. Um, not great off the tee, but um, maybe that doesn't hurt him too much. I, I don't I don't hate Taylor Gooch. If you want a guy at 100-1, to one, that might be the guy I'd go with. But there you have it. That's my breakdown of the 2022 PGA Championship. Um, I hope that helped Joe a little bit. Like, I mean, I can't reiterate it enough. Strokes gained around the green is going to be the num- number one most important thing this week. So... NHL playoffs, PGA Championship, best luck with all your picks. Gambler, bless. Uh, I'll talk to you next time. I don't know if it'll be next week, but uh, obviously in the summer, I'm a little bit more inconsistent uh, with these uh, with these podcasts. There's not as much to talk about. Um, I can't just give out picks because then by the time the next day happens, I mean, it's already irrelevant. So I'm going to try to get some guests on moving forward. We'll see how that goes throughout the summer. But thank you all for listening. Subscribe, all that good stuff. Good luck with your picks. I'll talk to you next time. Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today we discuss technical diagramming with systems architect Maya. Let's go. First question. You've spent 10 hours slogging over a sequence diagram that should have taken five. Drawing Board or Miro Board? Drawing Board. And if I'm being honest, Miro would probably cut that time down by half. You know, with its AI tools and ready-to-go templates. Next, your diagrams become so bulky, it's more complex than the solar system. But all it takes is a few clicks and... It's Miro. I've used those technical shape packs way too many times. And stuff is just digestible on its infinite online canvas. Now, the final question. Everyone's brought in. But you have to make all these tasks all the way over in Jira. But wait, it's done. Is it... Miro. Easy with its two-way Jira sync. Easy to plot dependencies. Everyone always knows what's up. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people creating technical diagrams without workflow glitches. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.